Abstract Athlete Podcast, a collision of art, sports, and science. In this year, I'm a Gideon time. Praise His Majesty. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Thank you to our amazing listeners and our sponsors for your support. If you have any questions or comments, please send it to info at theabstractathlete.com. I want to also thank my late great buddy Tony Harrington, also known as Dr. X, for providing the music for today's episode. Make sure to listen to the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, for information on subscription boxes and on upcoming events and workshops. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms. Excited to be kicking off season five with this guy as I speak with former college soccer star and current women's soccer coach at the University of Houston, Diego Bocanegra. Make sure to follow him on Instagram and on Twitter at Diego13Boca. And also check out his website, DiegoBocanegra.com, where you can also find his new upcoming podcast called Boca with Diego Bocanegra. Make sure to give that a listen. Let's welcome Diego Bocanegra. What is up? What's going on? Can you hear me all right? Yeah, I got you perfectly. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know if I told you I'm getting ready to launch my own podcast shortly. And so just t- testing out all the new equipment. And uh, my my poor daughter had to go through all that with me this morning. I'm like, hey, here, take my phone. We're going to do, do a Zoom call. Let me turn up my mic, turn it back, get my screen protector, all those things. Well, dude, like, feel free to reach out uh, if you have any questions. I've been doing this for a while. Um, yeah, I see. I mean, I, as I was going through... Uh, it on Spotify, I was like, man, you recorded quite a few episodes. I, yeah, I got a little crazy. Um, we just ended season four last, was it last week? Yeah. We released a couple episodes. So yeah, I mean, I, it's fun as shit to me because it's like, yeah. and by, by the way, speaking of which I am recording, um, but I, 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 get, I get to meet like, I mean, some of the people I know, but not super well, but some of the people, like it's literally the second time I've talked to them. And it's just yeah. so fun to dive into their stories and all that shit. So, I mean, I love it. Like, you're going to have a blast with it. I, I mean. It, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean. It's just fun. And like, you know, like we, we met on Clubhouse. So for sure. like I can tell like you're super personable and you like to like have conversations. So I just, it, it's just fun to just meet yeah. people. I mean, realistically, that's Clubhouse has become a, a bit of an outlet for me. Because I can, I don't know, I can, I can express myself, I can have conversations and a lot of the stuff that I think I missed for a year and a half because of the pandemic and not being, I'm a very social person. Yep. Like if there, if there's a game on, I'll watch it from my couch and it's cool and all and my kids think I'm crazy, but <laughs> I'd much rather be in a packed bar at yep. the actual stadium and, and just the vibe and the energy and, and so, yep. Yeah, there's no substitute for that. But no, not Clubhouse is great. It, it's been great. It, it it actually it has been like it. You know, like that's where we met you. 
um, met some other people that I've actually had on the podcast. And it's just, it's, it's really interesting. Like the conversations, I think people are really willing to be vulnerable, um, which is nice. Cause sometimes in person people like shut down, but there's almost like this kind of disconnect where we don't see each other <laughs> that, and the people are just willing to have conversations. And I, you know, like I've been in a couple of your rooms with like the coaching, uh, the yep. coaching room, is it called the coaching? I can't even remember. Um, well, my room is off the pitch talks, but yeah, there's been some in the other in coaches training room and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's just, it's just fun. I like, I, I, I do wonder if that platform would have even existed had it not been for the pandemic. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, social media and social interaction has changed so much in the last five, 10 years. Yep. So you, you think something would have come about, but for this, I, I don't know. It, it just seems it's perfect. Like what you were just saying with Twitter and, and Facebook and everything like that, people seem to be a little bit braver behind a keyboard. <clears throat> and so maybe that's why not having a picture and a face and emotions, they're a little bit more willing to take risks on clubhouse because it's just you and your voice. How like that leads me to a weird question too, that so, you know, I'm a professor, but, you know, I sure. grew up an athlete and, and all this stuff. Yeah. But it, for me, it's been really weird teaching virtually. And you as a coach, like, did I assume you like had team meetings virtually maybe last year, but obviously you played this year. Yeah. Have you found there being a benefit to this virtual world in terms of coaching? Because I've actually found some really interesting things to me like that vulnerability thing of when I have like one-on-one discussions with students and I work with a lot of student athletes, but when I work with them virtually, the one-on-one ones are like way deeper um, than, and maybe that's because when we're in a classroom, there's still other people around, but that those one-on-ones virtually have been like really rewarding to me. Have you noticed that at all as a coach? You know, one of the, things uh, first of all face-to-face for our sport things like that um, it made it challenging doing video sessions because we couldn't all be in the same room and so we'd have to do smaller video sessions and I'd have to um, basically do a screen recording of the video session and then upload it into our drive and then share it with everyone and then come back so that was more challenging but the actual meeting part it's funny that you say that um it's my office, you know, as the head coach, it can be intimidating. It can be like being sent to the principal's office. It, it, a lot of times when I send a message, Hey, can you come up to my office when, when you get done in the locker room? And then I learned really quickly to send in the text. And by the way, it's no big deal. You're not in trouble or anything right. because they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Coach just wants me or something. And, and, you know, sometimes it'll be like, Hey, we got a recruit coming in. I'd love to see if you would host them or, Hey, we have this community outreach. I think you'd be perfect for this, whatever. It's something like that. And, and I always have to preface it. Um, and if I'm going to invite somebody up to my office to have a harder discussion, I don't do it via text. I, I see them after practice, like, Hey, you know, we've been talking about this, but when we do the virtual meetings, that intimidation factor of my office is taken away, which I love because I don't want to be intimidating. I want to have conversations. I don't want, I want to have connections with my players. And so, yeah, I mean, when they're behind a computer screen, 
that's what these kids know. That's what this generation understands. They're attached to their phone. They're attached to their social media. They're comfortable doing this more so than, than you and I might be. Um, I've gotten comfortable, but yeah, I think that's been a, a, a benefit that I really didn't notice until just recently. So that, that's funny now you it's, say that. It's been really strange to me. Um, and I, I think I'm like you, like I'm, I'm a pretty social person. And so the last year has been just really weird um, and hard and, and what, you know, like other, other words we can throw in there, but I have found like with, with the business, things have really skyrocketed in a great way with, with my teaching, like um, there's just been certain things that I've learned that I think are beneficial that are, I, I don't know, it's just, it's just interesting. Like these times, obviously, you know, like I know that's an overused analogy, but, um, but I, you know, first of all, I do, I, you know, we didn't really do a proper welcome, no, but thank right. you. I know I, I just kind of jump right in anyways, but thanks for that's... doing this, man. Cause it is, <clears throat> it is cool. Like, and I do want to dive into like, you know, your life, um, you know, like kind of your upbringing, sure. um, you know, like, cause you do like, you're a soccer player. You're now a soccer coach. You've been at, at Houston. This is your, was your fifth year? Just finished my fourth season. Fourth. Okay. Um, going and, into year five and you were at San Bernardino, but you played at grand Canyon university, you played at UCLA, and then you finished your college at Fresno. Correct. And, and then you, you come from like your, your brother and your sister were both high level soccer players. Uh, yep. both played in, you know, your sister played in college. Your brother obviously played um, U.S. national team. Um, and at, did he play at Fulham with when Friedel yeah. was there? By the way, uh, with Casey Keller. Okay, was Friedel? Yeah, was Brad Friedel in Fulham? Friedel was a uh, um, goodness why. gracious, Blackburn. Okay, because he he played. He was with, in the with Columbus. Yeah. Um, Friedel was I, in Columbus, yeah. and then he was in the EPL. But no, Casey Keller was was with Carlos okay. and Brian McBride. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, I met Friedel yeah. because <clears throat> he actually lived across the street from my sister back in, in Columbus, cause that's where I'm from is Columbus. Sure. sure. So, um, but you're also like your, your parents like came here from Mexico and your dad was a big sports fan or is a big sure. sports fan, is, but is. like primarily baseball, like also, but, Right? Yeah. Like, so, and so like that, right. one of the things I, like, I, I just started, like, I remember us talking in a room, but this, you'd said that, I, that importance of kids playing multiple sports, which yeah. I think, you know, a lot of people are getting into these silos way too early. And so maybe that's something we can chat about as well. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, really quickly, both my parents born in Mexico. My dad's from Mexico City. My mom's from Chihuahua. Um, they both came when they were young. Uh, my mom a little bit younger, so she had an easier time picking up English. Uh, my dad didn't come over in, until he was like fifth or sixth grade. And, and so he didn't speak. He, he got here, didn't speak a word of English and got dropped into school. I can't even imagine going to school and not understanding what the teacher's saying. Oh. Um, so obviously you learn, you just learn as quickly as you can. Um, he ended up becoming a math teacher, mainly because numbers are numbers. He can figure out, okay, well, 6x times 
whatever equals this. All right, well, I can just do that. It doesn't matter what the teacher's saying. So um, my, my parents split when I was really young. Um, they both have been remarried. So my brother and I have the same dad. My sister and I have the same mom, um, the only child from my parents. And so I've always had a unique perspective on everything, you know, splitting time between my two homes. And some people are like, oh, no, you came from a broken home or, or they would see that at first. And it's like, no, I was really lucky. My parents split. They both got remarried. They never lived more than 10 miles from each other. I saw each of them on a weekly basis, you know, multiple times a week. Um, my, they're both still married to um, my stepdad and my stepmom who are amazing people in, in themselves. And so I've got four parents. I've got the best of both worlds. And so I grew up very, very blessed and surrounded with all this. And, you know, my mom's side of the family um, are very athletic as well. Um, you know, my, my uncle on that side was a very good baseball player. Um, and, and so my mom's a huge sports fan. Um, she's been around everything. And then my dad, same thing. So my dad, because of their situation, um, he was only allowed to play one high school sport because that's all the time he could afford. My, my grandparents on my father's side, they owned a bakery and, and a restaurant. And so his job was to work at the bakery from the time. And he's the oldest of eight. Uh, my grandfather, grandfather passed away um, before I was born. So I never even met him. But as the oldest of eight, um, where my youngest aunt, my dad's youngest uh, sister, I think she was a baby at the time. So he became a father to his own brothers and sisters in a way, as well as that. And so he had to be dad, older brother work. And so because he was only allowed to play one sport, he wanted us to be able to do everything. And, and it was awesome. So as a kid, I, you know, not even organized, but we, we play everything football, basketball, baseball, soccer. And my dad couldn't kick a soccer ball, still can't kick a soccer ball. Sorry, dad. Um, <laughs> but, but the reality is, um, you know, I, I got some pretty athletic genes from, from my parents. Uh, and so I got to do everything. Um, you know, I'm, I'm five, eight on a good day. So basketball wasn't really in my future, but I got to play. Um, and just the differences and, and, a lot of my lifelong friends, most of my lifelong friends I met through sport. And so it's been amazing for me, um, friends from high school, friends from college, friends that just playing youth sport, you know, it, whether it was little league or basketball or soccer. I mean, I lettered in four sports in high school, ran track as well. Um, and sports have just been a massive, massive part of my life. But the funny thing is everyone sees that and you see my profile and you see, you know, you played here, you did this and, and you did that, but that really only tells part of the story, which is why I love what you're doing because I'm such a creative person. I'm, I, I need my outlets. Um, talking is probably my biggest outlet. So <laughs> this is easy for me. Um, you know, every report card from the time I was in elementary school till junior high was doing well in school, straight A's, straight A's, but talks, talks too much in much. class, talks too much in class. So I don't know what it is. I just, I, it's not that I have a lot to say. I just, I like interacting with people. And because I was pretty intelligent, I'd finish all my work early. And then even though everybody else wasn't done, I was just like, all right, well, I'm done. 
what do you got going on? <laughs> and so I just come bother talk people. To me, come talk to me. <laughs> yeah, basically. So, you know, just my upbringing allowed me to see so many different things and, and, you know, having multiple sets of grandparents and my parents coming from big families, always getting to play with my cousins. And, you know, we came from a, a generation where, you know, sometimes it would be like a week straight where we get home from school and you go play. And it was like, all right, we're riding our bikes and we're building ramps or, you know, I, I was a skater. I, I have no, I grew up in Southern California. I was a skater. Yeah, I was a skate punk. And I mean, in, in California, anything you can do on a board, surfboard, snowboard, skateboard, whatever. So I did it all. And, and we'd go to skate parks. And then sometimes we'd go to the park and play soccer or we'd just play wiffle ball. It, it didn't matter. I just love being outside. Um, and I love interacting with people. So but I think that those like I think that was that conversation we had those other things that you're doing benefit you in the thing that ends up defining you like soccer for you like baseball playing baseball like just having hand-eye coordination like just the, that alone skating like having balance like understanding like those i suck at skate i, I never could do that <laughs> i mean I, I i wish that i could i skiing ran into a tree once not hard <laughs> enough to hurt me but hard enough to go this is not my thing. I just, I just don't have that balance, but I, like I, in my head, like I'm a fantastic snowboarder, but, but I think that those things, those other sports that we played growing up were beneficial to each other. And that's what I think this specialization time that we're in where parents think that their kid is the next whoever, when they're seven years old, it's just like, Oh my, I mean, and I know that there is something to that but sure. there's but there's also like you got to let them play these other sports not just because they're kids but also because it actually benefits that thing that you think they're going to be good at absolutely i mean i can tell you right now soccer was by far my best sport just because of my physical abilities uh, you know i'm small but i was strong i have a good center of gravity balance good coordination all those things but you know, baseball taught me patience because you go from a soccer game where you're running for 90 minutes <laughs> and then you go to baseball and you're standing you're, for 90 uh, minutes. You're standing, but you have to be ready on a moment's notice because no matter what it is, it, when you're out in the field and I played shortstop and second base, um, you, you got to be ready for anything. And, and I liked it, you know, obviously I like my team to win, but I preferred it when there was a runner on base. Cause now, okay. My, my senses were a little bit heightened. All right. I might have to go cover. Is he going to try to steal? Um, am I going here for a double play? It was just a little bit more exciting. Um, I'm, I'm sure the pitcher didn't love it so much, but, but for me, I, I was like, okay, yeah, great. Get somebody on base. I'm bored out here. Um, but it taught me to concentrate and, and to focus, you know, in the dugout, I always loved it because as I've told you, I like to talk. So I got to just BS and banter in there with, with the boys and, you know, might, might've gotten in trouble a few times because, you know, you're in little league and you're in a covered dugout. You forget that the parents can hear everything you're saying. And, you know, as boys, we, we tend to have a foul mouth every now and then, or, or at least my friends and I did, but you learn different things and you learn to concentrate and, and watch the pitcher and their tendencies and, and be laser focused when you're up to bat. And it, it just carries over, you know, for me, it helped now as I coach, 
I can concentrate for 90 minutes and look at different pieces of the puzzle and interactions and see what the other coaches are doing, see what the other players' tendencies are. Um, because I was forced for three hours of a baseball game to find something to do. Uh, you find yourself talking to yourself a lot in, in, during baseball. And obviously I'm talking to you about this because I know you're a baseball player yeah. and that's yeah, what you yeah. And so you find yourself just in your own head and you know, as I've gotten older and really studied my, my art of coaching, mental health, mental, mental wellness, self-talk, visualization, all those things are such a huge part of sports that are, are finally coming to the forefront and were overlooked, I think, for so many years. And I didn't realize I was teaching myself all those things. I was teaching myself how to talk to myself and, and more importantly, not to listen to the negative things that I'm talking about. And so you miss that if you don't play other sports, yep. you do. And there's so much crossover, you know, the footwork in football, you know, I, I wasn't allowed to play tackle football until my sophomore year in high school. Cause I didn't have a growth spurt. My freshman year in high school, I was like five, three and 105 pounds. My dad's like, look, I know you've played flag football. I know you did this, but you're going to get hurt. And I can't let that happen. Finally, thank God I had a growth spurt and, made it to a whopping five, seven, I think, <laughs> but still it, it was enough where I was going to be protected. And so, but you talk about the footwork in football and basketball and soccer, it's so similar it's, and it's the same. Yep. And so just those benefits alone, parents are ruining their kids if they try to specialize too early and not only overuse injuries, but you know, there's a, a an alarming statistic. 67% of kids drop out of organized sports by the time they're 13 years old now. It's horrible because youth sports have become a multi-million dollar business. Yep. And because it's a multi-million dollar business, parents and coaches alike, you know, youth soccer coaches, youth basketball, AAU coaches, um, baseball, they can make a living coaching youth sports but I think they've forgotten the balance and the fact that this was meant to be for the kids. And now there's some people that do it the right way and they do really well, but it, it's, you know, I'll talk a lot about that on my podcast and, and just the business of youth sports and, and all those things, but it's, it's like the joy is taken away. Absolutely. I, mean, I, I, I think that's one of those things that I'm sure you deal with as, as a D one college coach is, trying to keep i mean first of all it's hard to be a student athlete i mean it's just it's just hard um yeah. but to try to keep your your athletes motivated in a in a positive light not not motivated in terms of playing but just like sure enjoy this um which is just it's hard like because i i talked to some of my student athletes and it's just like they're burnt out and it's like oh god that just it just kills me because it's like we all did these sports because we loved them. But when you start Absolutely. losing that love, it's like, man, what, uh, what, like, how do you get that back? And it's like this balance to be like, it has to be hard to be a coach. It really does. Oh, pe people have no idea. I, I, I used to get offended. Now I just laugh. They say, <laughs> Oh, you, you coach college soccer. So what else do you do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and my answer was always like, um, try to see my family, yeah. try to be involved at home, try to be pre like, well, what do you mean? Like, I leave my house between 530 and 6am. And, you know, 
sometimes if if it's a day my son's got soccer practice, I'll be home in time and I'll get home at four five four thirty and take him to soccer practice. But there's other times where I'm on the road from a Wednesday to Sunday, and I, I'm working on the road and, and people don't understand and and that's just the time commitment. But you know, one of the things that that we we talked about it a little bit in, in my room was people always are looking out for the student athlete and they should, you know, they have counselors and they have coaches and they have academic advisors um, and administrators and that's our job. But in putting so much, and you know, as a professor, you put so much into your students and, you know, this last year was hard on everyone, but I think it was especially hard on, you know, let's, let's take the frontline workers aside, hats off to everything they did for our our doctors, nurses, police officers, firefighters. But I think next was the educators, whether you were in elementary school, can you imagine being an elementary school teacher and trying to corral 25, eight-year-olds? No, I can barely, I have a nine and 11 year old. I can barely handle the two of them. (laughs) So but I think as a college coach, it was difficult because you see the pain that your your players are going through and everyone has a different home life and a different home situation and people are homesick or they're they're missing their their boyfriend, girlfriend, friends, whatever. And you've got 30 plus of those on your team. And I'm feeling all the pain and yep. the, all the emotion of each of them, you know, and, and then you add on to that the you know, I have a very diverse team and just some of the conversations we had on diversity and inclusion over the last year, um, man, it was a really challenging year and it put a lot of people to the test. I a hundred percent agree with you. Like it has been like that strain on teachers and I'm uh, like exactly coaches the same way. <clears throat> and with very to little, understanding from outside people of what we're going through not to sit here and go look at me look at all the pain i'm going you know because i'm not that kind of a person no man it is it has been and and i think primarily because i'm optimistic sure me too. i get that's what i was just going to say i can tell you probably get like even just friends or other people coming to you and just constantly telling you how shitty things are and it's just like uh-huh. <laughs> I get it. I'm also like in the middle of that too. Yeah. Like this is, this is happening to everybody. And sure. so it has, it's just been, it's been weird. Like, and, and like, I'm sure like, did you have all of your, I'm assuming you have some international students. Was there, we, was we there d- issues of getting some of them into the country at all? No, you know, fortunately for us, um, we graduated some other ones, but the only two internationals, uh, we had are both from New Zealand and New Zealand figured it out. <laughs> I mean, it was, uh, we had two of them and they went home for Christmas break and it was normal for them. They had eradicated yep. COVID. They're on an Island. It's a small country. And same with Australia. I have an Australian yeah. student that same, same thing. she's like, I don't even wear a mask, but then she no, came they, here for, you know, and it was like, it, that was the harder transition was for them to come back to the States. Yep. Um, was because, man, I mean, I was going to music festivals and concerts. It, it was like life was before the pandemic. Yep. And so I'm not going to lie. There was a little bit of jealousy from me. I was like, <laughs> absolutely. talk to my wife. Hey, Kelly, what do you, what do you think? Should we move to New Zealand? <laughs> Let's go to Australia. Um, 
but no, it, it was definitely interesting. And, and the funny thing was, I'm a true believer in, in, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a faithful person. I, I'm not overly religious per se, but I truly believe everything happens for a reason and we only get what we can handle. And I was glad to be able to listen to a lot of friends and a, a lot of um, my student athletes because, and I don't like saying it publicly, but while the world was kind of suffering, we were thriving in my house. I've never been able to spend more time with my kids since they've been born because of the demands of my job. Um, I was able to take care of myself. I mean, I didn't ever like running other than when I was chasing a soccer ball, but I did it to stay fit. I enjoy running now again. Um, you know, I, I live in a very great neighborhood, you know, across from some lakes. And so I just got some scenic runs. I would just once a day, get out of the house and go three, four, five miles. Sometimes I'd go at a harder pace sometimes, but just, I was able to find those outlets. Um, you know, and you and I talk about this and this is a lot of what your podcast deals with is, all right, what do you do as an athlete aside from being an athlete? Um, and a lot for me is thinking and creating. And so I would, a lot of times, some of my best creative moments, you know, I like to talk and I don't love to write, but I'll write so that I can talk and, and get that out of me. But some of my best creative times are when I just go for a run. And so we're, we're, yeah, it was difficult for everyone. And I missed that human interaction, but I, I was actually thriving and I, and I felt bad because I, 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 I the exact same, I, I, it, people will ask me how I'm doing or have been asking. I'm like, I'm awesome. I, and it's just, like, I always feel like I have to apologize because yeah. we're in this time, but I agree. Like, I, you know, I, in some ways I've personally been thriving. The, the business has been thriving. Yeah. Um, and I like, it's, I don't know. Like, I, like, I don't want to apologize because it's, it's all, it's also just a mindset. Like I, I refuse to give in to shit. And, yeah. You know, and, well, and, and that's what I talk to my, players about and again as a coach one of the things i'm big on is you cannot control your environment most of the time you cannot control the situation you can't control for up one zero down one zero you can't control if your professor gives you a boatload of work you can't control if your your boyfriend's being an asshole you just can't yep. but you can always control how you react to that situation yep. you know one of my favorite quotes of all time charles swindoll you know, the shortened version is I'm convinced that life is uh, 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react to that. And that's where I tried to get that across. And, and I really think a lot of the people in my life got a new perspective and, and a good perspective on life. And I always, like you said, I'm an optimist as well. I'm always trying to bring, okay, what came out of this? That's good. I mean, I'm starting a podcast. I'm on your podcast. I have all these creative outlets now that I never had time for, or at least I didn't make time for, for a long time. And so now I get to, and, and I get to share these things and hopefully help some people. I was going to say, I think that probably makes you a better coach. 100%. Like, I, I think that that, you know, sometimes we, when we get into these things, like teaching, like coaching, 
it's that grind and we just like slowly 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 like the funnel gets you know it's almost like tunnel vision so all we have is that thing that we're defined as or what we do but opening things back up and realizing well this thing that i did today might allow me to coach better or might allow me to teach better and it just has to it had like the diversity of life you know like again like you said earlier like we talk about creativity well creativity isn't just painting or drawing it's like do you want to write a poem like you want to you write you talk that's creative like it is like it is 100 percent absolutely creative to be able to have a conversation one of my students just started doing a podcast because all we kept talking about he wants to be like a sport or a sports analyst like, sure. well, like get into that habit of understanding how to redirect conversations about sports because like watch sure. Stephen A. Smith. I mean, I don't love him, <laughs> but like he, you know, that ability to yeah. have these conversations, that's creative. And, and and it's like, that's the thing about creativity and sports. Why we always, Chris and I try to combine these things so much. It's it's about practice. It's about exercise. Remember the first time you kicked a soccer ball, you sucked at it. Like you kept yeah. doing it. You got better. Sure. Like for me, when I playing baseball, I sucked at it. I got better football, basketball, or like whatever. Yeah. It's just, it's the same with being creative. Like pick up but, a pencil doodle. You're going to suck at it, but you just keep doing it. You get better. And yeah. And, and I love, and, and I love what you're saying there because I think too many people think that you're either creative or you're not, Yep. but I, I'm fully convinced and and you know carol dweck wrote a an amazing book um just on growth mindset um, yep. and what she talks about is anything you do you can improve and the science shows it the studies show it well guess what you can improve one of my favorite classes in college was an art class that i took because i didn't realize i drew a lot i'm actually a decent artist with a pencil i can't paint for shit but with, with a pencil and colored pencils, I'm all right. You know, the, the, the shadowing and the shading and, and I have actually made some decent pieces here and there that um, I really enjoyed, but I would have never thought about that, but I got better as I practiced throughout that class. And it's just like anything, when you start, you're not going to be good at it, but you've got to practice. And so I love that, that cross discipline of, Anything you do, the more you do it, the better you're going to get. And so for me, coming on your podcast, coming, I, I'm coming on a couple other podcasts in the next couple of weeks, it's just giving me practice so that I don't totally suck, but <laughs> I'll get better yep. and I'll get better. I'm sure you go back and listen, oh, or I don't know brutal. if you have listened to some of your first podcasts <laughs> compared to now. It, you're just, now you're just having a conversation. Yep. You know, I listened to to the conversation you had with Brian Polly Dixon. And like I told you, there's a connection there. Yep. One of my best friends when we were at UCLA, played football with him, blah, blah. So that's the one that I was listening to this morning. And I didn't go back and listen to one of your first two podcasts. Good, those don't but, exist. <laughs> but if I did, I'm sure it'd be a lot different. It is because we're because just- it, 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 And I've always been, like, I, I was a lead singer in a band, so I'm comfortable- in front sure. of people. And you know, obviously I'm a teacher and played sports and ball, but doing the pot, it was like, I was forcing the conversation as opposed to having a conversation. Absolutely. And, and that's a very distinct difference that people don't always realize. And I think the art of 
conversation in itself has been lost. And maybe because I've been running my mouth my whole life. Yeah, it is the phone. It's the phone that's taken that away because the art of text, um, I have not mastered that, nor do I care to, but yeah, my, my kids will teach me. Uh, I'll figure it out then. No, but I really do think the art of conversation has been lost. You know, just being able to go to a coffee shop, being able to go to a bar, you know, people used to think I was crazy when even my wife at times, like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I just got done recruiting for 10 hours and now I'm sitting at the hotel bar having dinner because I don't want to have dinner by myself. So I know if I go sit at the bar, at least I can chat with a bartender, maybe the person next to me. And I just enjoy conversation with people. And look, what do you want to talk about? You like this game? On? Oh no, I'm really, oh, cool. All right. Well, I like that too. Yep. Let's talk about that. Yep. Why don't you tell me about that? A hundred percent, hundred percent. It is completely, there is an art to it. Absolutely. I, so you, I, you, when you were at San Bernardino, that was your first head coaching, head coaching job. And yeah. you were, you were actually coaching both men's and women's. Is that correct? Or was that as an assistant? All right. Okay. So quick rundown on my, I, yeah, I started yeah. coaching youth soccer, but then my first uh, college job was actually at Pomona Pitzer division three school. Um, and my brother's club coach who um, Bill Schwartz, probably one of the most amazing coaches that people have never heard of. Uh, one of my mentors, um, he brought me in. And when I was at UCLA, I'd come home in the summer and he's like, Hey, why don't you just come train with us? Great. So I'm, you know, I'm training with my brother's club team who turns out has four or five national team, youth national team players on them, future world cup veterans and my brother and Nick Ramondo. Um, and so it was, it was good. It was a good workout. You know, they're, they're 16 years old. So yeah, I was in college and I was a, a little bit better and, and more mature, but it was not like I had to go and, and I was playing with little kids. I, I was playing with boys that are about to be men. Yeah. Um, anyway, I got to play slash assistant coach with Bill there. And so when I graduated college and I couldn't play anymore, um, or at least they weren't paying me or, or they're saying, you're not good enough to be a pro anymore. So get out of here. He brought me in. And then from there, um, I actually went to UC Riverside as a, a volunteer assistant on the men's side. Um, and then I left soccer for about a year and a half. Um, I did personal finance. I got completely licensed in life insurance investments. Um, and part of the reason I did pretty well at that is it was, I was smart enough to pass the securities test and the life insurance test, but then it was just sales and, and, and personal, Hey, how can I help you? <laughs> and so me sitting down at the kitchen table with the family and having their best interest, uh, and, and being genuine about that. And then being, have a conversation, people trusted me. And, and I built that trust up over the 22 years of my life to that point. And then when I went back to soccer, I, I, I got sucked back in because I love it. So I was an assistant coach at Cal State San Bernardino on both the men's and the women's side. They finally split the programs. And that's when I was able to take over as the women's coach. Um, coach there was very successful, took a team that the year before I took over as head coach, won 16 and three, one win, 16 losses and, and three ties. Man, it was a long season. We and, and that one win was the first win of the season. We went 1-0. <laughs> game two, our best player tore her ACL and just never really recovered from there. Um, and then we, I just recruited a bunch of, of my former players, eight 
eight and four the second year, 10, five and five by year three. And then one of my friends, Damian Brown calls me and says, Hey, I want you to come work with me at Cal State Fullerton. Uh, Cal State Fullerton happened to be where my wife went to school. My mom got her master's degree from there. It was back in Orange County. My wife had left Newport Beach to come to the Inland Empire with me. And she's like, wait, we can go back to the school where I went to school. We can go move back to the beach. Um, what are you thinking about? Go. I don't care that you're not going to be a head coach anymore. You're going to go to the Division One level. You're going to work with one of your friends who you've known for 20 years. And we get to move back to Newport Beach. Um, I'm packing Where now. do I sign? <laughs> yeah. There, there, it was no conversation, really. It was, and it was the best move career-wise. It was just all around the best move. So from Fullerton, we were very successful there five years later. You know, I, I got some offers to be Pac-12 assistant coaches. Wasn't the right fit. Didn't go. And then the University, uh, University of Notre Dame called. And I was like, wow, I got to look at this. I have to really consider it. And my wife and I had no dreams of moving to South Bend, Indiana but it was Notre Dame. Yep. And so you go, you take a look and, and it's a special place. Ended up there three years, uh, won the ACC in 2016. Um, first ACC championship for women's soccer at, at Notre Dame and got the head job at University of Houston. And, and here I am just trying to get better every day at what I do. Yep. So, but yeah, Stan Bernardino was, was my first head coaching job and it was it was home. It was in my backyard. Did you know, like when you were doing the training, what was his name? Bill? What was his name? Bill Schwartz. Bill yes. Schwartz. Did you know, like at that time when you were coming back that you had an interest in coaching? Like, was it kind I, of like, yeah, I kind of dig this. This is. You know what? I knew I loved the sport. Yeah. I knew I wanted to be around the sport. Um, and Bill allowed me to kind of be a player coach. I still got to train, you know, at this point I'm, um, 22 23 years old and i'm still in pretty good shape and you know it was pretty much better than everyone uh on their team you know coming from a division one background going to the division three level you know aside from i'll say eric dugan and i'll give him his props <laughs> eric dugan was player of the conference and was actually a youth national team player that chose to go to division three i mean he had all kinds of division one schools looking at him he was you know, he played with my brother, Nick Romando, and four times he was the best player on their team. Wow. Um, so, so I'll give him credit. You know, he and I would go head to head. And a lot of times it was good for him because Bill would put us on opposite teams. I'm like, so I love it. I still got to compete. I got to play. And then I'd take a step back and coach. But it's how I first learned that, okay, Bill allowed me to slow that transition from player to coach. Um, and that's what I've been able to do throughout my career. Now you, I bring in young female assistants and play, show them all your experience and then step back and show them, this is why I did this. This is why I did that. And so it was great. Bill allowed me to make that transition from player to coach a, a lot easier. And I was with him for a couple of years and, and it was great. Want to take a quick break and remind everyone to follow Diego on Instagram and on Twitter at Diego13Boca and to check out his new website, DiegoBocaNegra.com. And you can also find his new podcast on there called Boca with Diego Boca Negra. Now, back to Diego. I mean, I, 
that kind of I, there's one question I always ask people, and maybe this is a kind of a, a lead-in because you're talking about Bill in the in the mentor sense, but like who are who are other people that inspire you? And again, it, this doesn't have to be soccer coaches. It could, you know, like obviously it can be parents. Um, it can be coaches. It can be, you know, people you played with, but not necessarily mentors, but it could be mentors, but other people that are like inspire you um, through yeah, life it, in general, I guess. I mean, for sure. And, and I'm so glad you asked that question because I alluded to it earlier. I'm so much more than just a soccer coach yep. uh, or I love music. And so I, I remember, yes, I remember with um, my first team at Cal State San Bernardino, I wanted them to understand that, yes, I'm your soccer coach, but I'm so much more than that. And so I remember first day of our first preseason, I'm like, here's how I can best describe myself. I'm part John Wooden. I'm part Bob Marley. Because I grew up in this household where my father was a big basketball fan and I heard nothing but John Wooden. You, you figure my dad grew up watching him. Go ahead. I met John Wooden. He actually, I have his autograph. He came to my high school and gave a talk. Wow. It was. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, in my opinion, the greatest coach of all time. Yep. And so for me hearing about John Wooden, my dad is a very structured disciplined guy. He was in the army. Um, even though he's not, that military based he he just that's his personality everything has a place my dad is anally organized everything's clean and therefore that's how i was going to be and john wooden fit perfectly into that it happened to be you know growing up in southern california he's winning all those championships so it's pretty surreal going back in our, our locker rooms when when i get to ucla and the locker rooms are in poly pavilion and this this place that i've heard about my whole life so that's part of me. And that's the part that most people see. That's the part that comes out in me as a coach. But the other side is, you know, I love music. I love all types of music and I don't know what it was, but I think the calming tone and the calming, the calmness of reggae, being a Southern California kid, I loved, I would go to the beach. Like there was days where I would get up and grab a friend and we'd go to the beach and we'd go body surfing or bodyboarding all day. And I'd have to make sure I leave in time to get back for soccer practice because we lived an hour away um, with traffic and it would probably be an hour and a half now because Southern Cal California right. traffic really sucks. and It's gotten worse, but that just calmness of the beach and the ocean and, and Bob's reggae music and, you know, him and, and steel pulse and, and other artists like that. It just gave me that tranquility that I needed because being a type A person, I'm go, go, go. I want to be the best at anything and everything. And it just allowed me to relax. And so I would explain that to my team is like, look, I'm all about peace and love. And, and that's why I love Bob Marley, yep. but I don't just love Bob Marley. I love all types of music. You know, there's times where I love EDM and and I've been a DJ and I have turntables and, and I have some mixes that I can put together and some mashups for you. Have you ever gone up to Jay's uh, Rise and Shine? I, I haven't. He always does that camp and it's during our preseason. Oh, okay. But that part of me, look, I'll go to a club with Jay and, and we'll be there till four in the morning. Um, you know, I, I tell people all the time, 
it's a good thing I grew up in Southern California. I need somebody to tell me to go home. I need the bars to close at 2 a.m. You know, Las Vegas, New York, Miami. I've been to places like that and walk out when the sun is coming up. And I'm like, man, it's a good thing. I need somebody to tell me to go home that the bar is closed because that's part of me as well. I just love being around people and the vibe and the music. And, and I love hip hop. You know, I grew up in Southern California in the 90s listening to, to Tupac. And, and Biggie and, and yeah, I know that's East coast, West coast, but you know, Snoop and Dre and all that was happening. I watched it right in front of my eyes. Um, you know, I lived the 92 riots, um, all those things. So, and, and then it, it's funny. I love country music and I loved it before I moved to Texas. Um, and I'll be honest with you. The only reason I do is being a Southern California guy, one of our vacation spots was Lake Havasu or Lake Mojave. Basically what we call go to the river and that's the California river. So a bunch of my friends, you know, they had boats and houses and cabins and, and their families did. And when I'd go to the river, whether it's Lake Havasu or, or Lake Mojave, or just being on the Colorado river, or being on the boat, everybody played country music and you just get to learn to love it. And, you know, if I'm being completely honest, so many really, really good looking women love country music. I was like, you know what? I better start liking country music. So I have something in common with them. See, that was my mistake. I was in a hard rock band and not, not a lot of women love hard. Well, it just depends. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of sound garden-y Pearl Jammy. So I guess that was okay. Oh, see, and that's my favorite rock band of all time yep. is Pearl Jam. Because yep. when I was in college, the grunge of, of Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden. And just, I mean, uh, it's, I'm bummed that he's gone, but Chris Cornell's voice was oh, just I angelic. I mean, that, oh man, what he can do in any genre, what he could do in any genre, um, you know. People, people sometimes say I sound like Chris Cornell. I'm like, well, that's not true, but thank you because my- <laughs> oh, That's the greatest I, compliment I, I, you could I, ever get. Literally, I just- I mean, you know, with the, the band that I, the main major band I was in was in kind of a, a sound garden-y sounding, you know, from the Black sure. Sabbath-y sludgy sounding stuff. But like Chris Cornell was, he was on a different planet, his, the way he sang. Like you said it perfectly. He had an angelic voice with this power behind it was just like, oh. it was like, how does that even happen? I mean, it's just a different cat. Oh man. Like I was literally, I don't get upset by celebrity deaths, but when he- he died. I was just like, Oh, that one actually hurt. That one It, it did hurt a little bit for sure. But, and like you're saying that, and this is where I think people don't realize the scope of the music that I love. You know, I grew up and my stepdad had, had this lake house um, and we'd sit out on the deck and I didn't realize it, but you know, he's playing classic rock. So now I'm hearing everything from the Beatles to Fogarty to Tom Petty to the Rolling Stones, to Led Zeppelin. And I'm like, man, I really like this stuff too. They don't make rock and roll bands like that anymore. Nope. Um, no, funny story. So uh, I'm in Vegas, right? And it's for New Year's Eve. I'm, I'm staying at the Rio and there's a, a rooftop club called the Voodoo Lounge. And one of my dad's friends got me and my friends a suite at the Rio and so I'm, I'm feeling pretty blessed that we're getting to go up there anyway. I'm, I'm like 25 years old and we get in this elevator and it's, it's a VIP elevator going straight to Voodoo Lounge. And we're sitting there and I'm sitting there with my friend, John and in walks, uh, 
two of the members of Pink Floyd. Oh. And I'm like, I'm like, there's no one at, and a VIP host slash bodyguard. Right. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, dude, what do we do? Do we say anything? You know, I'm like, holy moly. And it was just, it's funny, a little head nod and a high and how are you? And that was it. But most people wouldn't even know who they were. And, and it was just like, for me, I'm rarely starstruck. Oh. And for, for a moment I was, and I'm like, wow. Okay. I had, I had one of those funny moments that I just recorded a song with a friend of mine, but another guy that was on this song, there was a band called, um, what is it? UFO, 70s rock band called UFO. Okay. And this guy's name is Pete Way. And so I was on this song. He was on this song. He was the bass player. And they were big, like they were a signed band to, you know. Um, and so I'm up, and this is like a couple weeks prior that I recorded this song. I'm yeah. up at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland because I'm in Columbus. And okay. I'm sitting outside. And all of a sudden, Bill Wyman, bass player of the Rolling Stones, yeah. is standing there. And he had just quit the Rolling Stones. And there was a rumor that Pete Way was going to be the next Rolling wow. Stones bass player. So I was like, hey, Bill, how, you know, uh, I actually just recorded a song with Pete Way. And he's like, oh, Pete Way, I love Pete Way. And no I'm way. just like, this is like, I, like literally, I'm just like, <laughs> what is happening right now? That's he never amazing. joined the band. But I was like, it, you know, I actually literally had something to talk about with the Rolling Stones bass player at that moment. That is amazing. Crazy. That's so cool. So crazy. cool. Yeah. Did you ever play an instrument? or sing or anything? Yeah, you know what? Um, I actually come from a pretty musical nice. family on my mom's side. My mom's um, cousin um, was a, a professional musician in Mexico. So um, yeah, one of the things I didn't talk about, my mom used to be a professional dance dancer, uh, Mexican, Mexican awesome. folklorio. So you know, the big dresses yeah. and the sombreros and, and it kind of looks like tap dancing and really authentic Mexican heritage. Um, my mom used to dance at, at a place called La Fonda in, in uh, East Los Angeles. And it was like, it was the spot. Um, one of her, one of the guys she danced with, uh, th there was two guys in, in their dance uh, group named Sal. So there was Big Sal and Little Sal. Well, Little Sal went on to become a very famous actor and, and you'd probably recognize him. I mean, movies from American Me, to sitcoms to, I mean he's on all I mean he's made a living as a Hollywood actor um and so I was around people like that and so my mom made me take piano lessons when I was younger I took piano lessons I took guitar lessons um I got short fat stubby fingers so I sucked at the guitar um but I was okay at the piano I didn't love the practice and everything I loved the music Yep. And I did it. And so maybe that helped with my appreciation for the music. Um, I'm still very jealous of my mom that she actually got to see Bob Marley live in the seventies. You know, I've seen Ziggy and, and I've seen some great concerts, but you know, I was too young. He, he'd passed away before that, but um, no, I, and my family knows my appreciation for music. Um, I think probably one of the coolest gifts that, that my brother, or anyone's ever gotten me um, for my 30th birthday, my brother got me uh, this photograph and it's a black and white of Bob Marley. He was in England at the time. He's holding a soccer ball um, at a record store. Um, you may have seen it, but the I original- I've seen that picture, yeah. The, the original copies, the photographer 
only made 10 original prints and I have, I have one of 10. Wow. Um, And so it's like, again, my brother gets that. And it was so funny as we get nostalgic, nostalgic every now and then, um, we, we, I don't remember. It was during the holidays or something, but my, my brother sent me a text and he's like, dude, I'm listening to the red hot chili peppers. I think that's the first CD you ever bought me. And, and first time you like really put me on to music. He's I love music now. And so it, it's kind of cool. It, it just now, I mean, you're you know, like, you really, a connection. you really truly are like artist athlete. I mean, like growing up in that, in that environment, I think is like, that's awesome. Like, I, I mean, I feel like really lucky the same way as I always felt weird. Like Chris and I, my business partner who you've met on clubhouse. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we talk about that back when we were growing up, like you were either an artist or you were an athlete. I mean, it's still somewhat like that, but it's definitely not as rigid and hardcore as it used to be. Cause I was always the quarterback of the football team, the baseball player and the basketball player. But I was the weird guy because I also did art or something like that, you know, and, yeah. and vice versa. Like I would walk into an art room and they would see the athlete. And it's like, what are you doing in here? And it, right. it, it was just, it, it's so bizarre to me. Well, I think for me, as, as you say that you got me thinking back. And um, when I was in high school, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty blessed with my parents' genetics and, and I'm pretty intelligent. So I, I always got straight A's. I mean, I graduated high school with a 4.2 and I, you know, I got, 1300 something on my SATs. Like I I was pretty intelligent. And so I was in all honors classes. I was in AP classes, but it'd be weird when I'd walk into classes at first um, because I I moved from after sixth grade, I moved in junior high. And so in junior high and high school, I'm I'm making new friends and they see me as an athlete, but they didn't realize I was also pretty studious. And so the very similar to what you're talking about as an athlete, but an artist. Um, and so I learned that. And I was lucky enough that a couple of my friends were also athletes that we all study together. And well, go figure. Um, they're still four of my best friends, Rodney Lee, Matt Taylor, and Kevin Posey. These were the guys that were in my AP and honors classes. Uh, Kevin Posey is the CEO of a credit union, um, but also a division one soccer player, former. Um, and actually was a grad assistant at the Ohio State University. <laughs> That's where he got his MBA. I knew you'd love that. I, should, I don't have my V hat. I have a V hat somewhere around here. Nice. Yeah, he got his MBA from Ohio State. Nice. Um, and he's my best friend. Um, he is my firstborn's godfather. Awesome. Um, anyway, but again, we're in these classes and playing soccer together. Rodney Lee, he's the one I was telling you that played football at UCLA. He is now a Beverly Hills attorney. Um, and then Matt Taylor, who played baseball, um, went to UC Santa Barbara, was in Air Force Intelligence. He's an economics professor at the University of Montana. And these are my childhood friends, but we both had both sides of it, you know? And, and it's so funny that I'm just realizing this. Kevin is the one that got me into alternative rock. Rod, <laughs> Rodney's the one that got me into hip hop. And I'm just having all these realizations like, man, I really am a product of my environment. You you surrounded yourself with perfect people. (laughs) Well, my parents did that and forced me to, they only let me hang out with certain people. 
But that's actually one of the books that I'm in the process of writing is surround yourself with good people. And this is why. And if you look at my brother's friends, my brother's friends are the same way. My brother, obviously a professional athlete, but Rodney's younger brother, Ryan, um, they played division one soccer. He played at UCLA with my brother. Um, And now he's a, a detective in the LAPD, but he's, he's got his master's degree from Pepperdine undergrad from UCLA. Um, And you just look at the people that we've surrounded ourselves with. And it's not just the professional accolades, but it's the people that they are. They're genuine people that care about themselves, their, their families and their, the people that have been around them. And so if I really look at all of them, Ryan Lee, he's a proper DJ. I mean, he's played at sky bar Mondrian hotel um, in LA. You know, if, if I look at Nick Raimondo, um, man, he's just this big ambassador for sports, especially Real Salt Lake, but he is a music nut. He, he will not miss a music festival from Coachella to Bonnaroo to anything. I mean, he loves music and that's where he and I bond. But if you go look at all this, all these professional athletes, all these professionals were so much more than what people see on the surface. And that's why I love what you do. And I love having this conversation. A hundred percent. Like I, that, that more than an athlete. I mean, I think we just get that stigma of, of the, the dumb jock and that's who right. we are. And it's like, mm, not really. I mean, I have, I've had people, you know, with these former or current athletes that we work with that are now basically professional athletes or artists like Brian Polly Dixon. But I've had yeah. people within the academic world tell me that these are not real artists. And I look at him and like, excuse me, what exactly? And I'm like, what, what do you mean? Because they didn't go to school for like, well, I need to see their CV. And it's just like, you don't, you just don't get it. Like you no. live, you live in a, in a completely different world. It's, it, it's just. But I believe my, and my, my heart of hearts, I truly believe people like that are intimidated because they're so singly focused yep. and they cannot comprehend that somebody else who is identifies as an artist second could be just as talented yep. and have just as much to say, whether it be with their paintbrush or sculpting or music or whatever. Yep. And, and if you really peel back the layers of some of the most successful people, they're pretty good at a lot of things. And maybe it's the discipline or the drive that they have, who knows? And, and then some people are just, they're blessed. Yep. You know, we, my, my wife and I laugh about it all the time. Like, take somebody like JLo. Okay. Nobody should be able to sing, dance, act, perform, and be that good looking. All <laughs> exactly. Some people are just more blessed than us. Yep. <laughs> and, and don't discount, she worked her butt off for everything she had. But that's just somebody that came to mind as we're talking about this because we're, my wife's like, look, there's just some people that are, yep. have more gifts and then use them. Yeah, that's the that's the 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 use them part because not everybody right. does that use them part. No, are you is your sister or or brother are they interested in coaching at all? I or they, you know what? No, my um my brother, he coaches in a way. You know, as the as the technical director and vice president of Atlanta United, yeah. um. He coaches the coaches he oversees. He's in management. Um, That's what I was. I knew he was doing that. I didn't know if he like had. No, he, I mean, he did. He, he, after he was done playing, went to a couple of national team camps as an assistant coach slash mentor. And 
I don't think he has the the desire. It's a bit of a grind. Um, and being a professional soccer player for 14 years was a grind. You know, you look at him and it's one thing to be a pro, but when you're a pro at the world cup level, and I'm sure Jay Jay's told you about this a little bit, but you go and you grind out a 10 month premier league season and they get like a week to recuperate. And then you're off with the national team. And if it's a world cup year, you're grinding all summer at the world cup. And then while the world cup's going on, your professional team is already back training and you hopefully get a coach that says, yeah, you need two weeks off, go take your two weeks, but then you're in it again. And so doing that for 14 years, it's a bit of a grind and being on the field, I think, for him, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to put on a shirt and tie and, and be in the air conditioning and, <laughs> and jump out on the field every now and then when I want to, but not have that grind. Yep. You know? and, and my sister, she's the smartest of the three by far. <laughs> I, I mean, I have no problem. Too. <laughs> yeah. And I, I fought it for a long, long time <laughs> saying, no, she's not smarter than me. No, nah, she's, she's brilliant. Um, she's got her master's in finance. Um, and she was for a long time, the, um, head of finance for a software company. Um, she still does some freelance work for them, but right now she's being a mom. Um, I, I've got a nephew who is a, a toddler and nice. takes up a lot of her time. And so she does some work. She goes into work a couple of days a week. Um, she lives in Oceanside. My mom and stepdad live a couple miles away. So my mom watches Mateo on, Fridays, you know, it's, it's, she's in a different place, but she's 11 years younger than me. So she's got plenty of time. Yeah. You know, I'm an old man. She's, she's still young. <laughs> Wait till you're my age, man. Uh, it's all downhill. No, I'm just kidding. But I, no, I, it's, I think you're right. There is that. I think maybe you and I talked about this a little bit in one of those rooms. That moment when it all ends is like, it's almost for me, it was almost hard to go watch baseball games. Kind of like it was hard for sure. me when I got done singing to go watch bands play because I just wanted to be up on stage. And it's, yeah. and, and like, it just takes a minute to get to that space where you're almost comfortable with it. Now I can still go sing and do stuff. Baseball, obviously I'm trying to go hit with my, with my student athletes to yeah. show the art teacher, like, in the, <laughs> you know, but, um, but you know, like those, those times are over, but it's that, it's when, when that disconnect happens and when it's officially over, it's like, it is like a hard, a hard moment to that, you know, that, Absolutely. that thing that, you know, you did for 20 years is just gone. And, yeah. and it's like, wow. And so like, I understand that, like, cause I, you know, I could have been drafted to play baseball, but sure. parents wanted me to go to school and, and then it just ended. But yeah. like, I understand that when, when professional athletes, are done like really that mental health issue of like wow like this thing that i am this thing that i define myself as and that's one of the things we're trying to push and you know again like i like at some point in time i'd love to come down to houston and and talk to your student athletes about what we Absolutely. do because this having a, a creative outlet again whatever the hell that means to people yep. and doing it 20 minutes a day it just it brings everything down and yeah. in a good way. Like, cause we all need that. Absolutely. And and so I think whether it's a collegiate athlete or a, a professional athlete, um, whether it's a coach, you know, yesterday, the room I talked about on clubhouse was a lot of coaches are leaving. Um, yep. 
coaching. Either way, it doesn't matter what you are. It becomes a grind and it can become a grind if you let it. Uh, and that's where, like I said, it's so important what you talk about and what you're doing is you cannot define yourself only as an athlete. And I shouldn't say that you can't, but you're setting yourself up for trouble if you do, because if it, no matter what you are, um, and you know, I had actually a, a little bit of pushback yesterday from one person and I was so thankful that he did because he co completely contradicted me. He said, well, I've been really quiet today, mainly because I don't necessarily agree with everything everyone's talking about. I think if you're intentional, it's okay to be single-minded on something at times. And we started talking about Kobe Bryant. He loved his wife and he loved his daughters, but there was a good portion of his life where the only thing he really focused on yep. was being the best basketball player he could be. And at times his family suffered for it. But as soon as he retired, you saw the girl dad that he was and the resources he put into women's sports and tried to give a platform to all women's sports because he wanted the best for his daughters yep. and for his wife. But you didn't see that while he was playing. He might've been saying that at home. And so it's interesting if you're, I believe if you're intentional, and this is a point that, that Dr. Brandon Orr made yesterday, if you're intentional and you are really cognizant and you're willing to live with all the other things that may be put as second fiddle in your life, then I can be okay with that. But very few people are intentional. Very people, few people understand that and make a conscious decision to do that. They just get wrapped up into, I'm an athlete. This is what I do. Yep. And everything else goes by the wayside, but they're not intentional about it. And I think there's a distinct difference. And so for me, most people don't have the capability to make that intentional decision. Therefore, I think it's important for the masses to have an outlet, have these other things because it's important. Yeah. I, the Kobe Bryant thing, like that was the thing that I think I just kind of like LeBron, I believe what Kobe was going to do off the court was going to be bigger than what he did on the court. Absolutely. I think that the way that he was setting up in terms of empowering women's sports was going to be so important. Um, yeah. And that just to lose that at that moment was just kind of sad. I mean, I think women's sports finally getting recognition. I mean, and obviously the, Absolutely. the the U.S. national women's team, the women's yep. national team is literally probably one of the, one, if not the biggest recognized teams in the world. And the most, one of the most influential teams yeah, exactly. in the world. Exactly. Do you like, maybe like in wrapping, wrapping this up here in a minute, but I mean, do you have aspirations of teaching or teaching coaching in the pros or, I no, mean, I, I know that's I, a completely different world. Yeah. Yes. Protocol. And no, I mean, I have, I don't, I don't know if you know, but I knew um, you did the, yes, the, um, yeah. While I was here, I yeah. was an assistant coach at, for the Houston dash. Yep. Um, and it was an amazing three months. You know, I was there, they had just changed coaches um, that they separated and the new interim coach uh, happened to be a friend of mine. And I just reached out, Hey, heard you're, you're getting the job. If you need any help, you need any bounce, anything off me, let me know. Um, I also have my associate head coach was a goalkeeper coach at the time. I said, Hey, um, 
you know, I think Blair would be good for you. And so um, I was on vacation with my wife in the Dominican Republic and I get a phone call from, from Omar and Omar's like, Hey, when do you get back? I'm like, uh, I get on Sunday night. He's like, can you be at practice on Monday? <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? He's like, dude, I need some help. When you said, can you get help? He's like, I need some assistant coaches. Well, I was calling you about Blair. He's like, I know. Can you bring him too? He's like, we're, we're in transition and I need to, until I hire someone and I'm like, uh, okay. So I talked it over with my wife and I'm like, um, guess what? You're looking at the, the new assistant coach, uh, of the Houston dash. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, it's, they train in the morning. It's really just training, helping with some video. It's summertime. All I'm doing is summer camps right now. I'm just doing it until our season starts. She's like, okay, I guess here we go. And it was amazing. I mean, got to work with world cup veterans like Carly Lloyd, um, and up and coming players like Jane Campbell and, and international players, Brazilian world cup players, Bruna and Pollyanna and, and Andresinha. And, and so playing with or coaching the best, some of the best female players in the world. And like, I didn't coach Carly Lloyd. I gave Carly Lloyd ideas of what I saw and she put them into play. She, she didn't need to be coached per se. I just was an extra set of eyes for her. Um, Janine, Becky, Amber Brooks, some of these, th- these women that I was coaching, they understood the game. They understand the game. And I was just given the different perspective. They were in the mix and I'm from the sideline or from above. I'm saying, Hey, here's, tell me what you see. Here's what I see take that information and run with it. And so I loved that part of it. Um, but I don't necessarily have a desire to do that. I did at once. I want to coach the masses. Um, I, I don't think I'll be a college coach forever. It could be six months. It could be six years. It could be 10 years. I don't know, but I want to do this. I want to influence more people and I want to coach the coaches. I want to coach the next youth national team coach. I want to, I want to, be someone like that. And I think figuring out how to do that, that'll be fun. But yeah. No, dude, I like, that's a great ending, by the way. (laughs) No, I I think, you know, I, I feel like, again, when we met, I think we connected immediately because we are both optimists and I think we both have like really good energy. And I can just tell like you have like this love for life and for, for being an, an influence on people. I don't mean that in a weird way, but like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, like being a coach, like you're influencing young minds. And I, I, I think what you're doing is just awesome. Like, and, and I'm super pumped that you're starting a, a podcast because I, like you said, it's, it's a perfect platform for you because you like to talk and sure. having these conversations. And like you said earlier, having these conversations about certain certain things like being more than an athlete inspiring different things they're just important to like to get them out in the world because you never know when something that you or i say yep connects with somebody that really changes their life and not to be dramatic but it it's no true. but that that's true and and look i come from a my background my parents are all educators and so teaching educating mentoring i think it's in my blood Um, and so I'm just looking for when, whenever that next chapter of my life comes about. And like you said, if I can help one person here and there, but my goal is to have a big enough platform where I can help more. And the reason I want to coach the coaches is right now, 
like you said, I'm able to hopefully help mentor and influence in a positive way these young men and women that I've worked with over the last 15, 20 years of my coaching career. <clears throat> but if I can coach the coaches, if I can influence 10, 20 coaches that then go on to influence another hundred people, it, it branches out, Yep. you know, and, and that's, that's my goal. So I that, really appreciate this, this huge. platform. That's, that's huge. Because again, the, the one by one is still awesome, but to be able to influence the coaches to take it out in the world, that, that is, that's world changing shit. I mean, it really truly <laughs> is. I um, but dude, I, you know, like I, I look forward to like staying in touch and, and absolutely, you know, um, like I said, you know, one of the things we're getting ready to do is we just bought land up in Montana and we're nice. planning on doing an artist athlete residency and it'd be something we'd love to get you up there. Um, like to do a workshop, like whether it's a coaching work, like that yeah. would be cool. Um, absolutely. You know, um, you know, like there's just lots of different things. Um, but I, I like, again, I like, I just really appreciate the fact that we've met because I, I think, I feel like, I so think we were meant to meet. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was, exactly. So, um, but yeah, dude, like this will be out, you know, um, probably a couple of weeks, like, you know, getting, sure. getting between seasons and stuff and I'll send you some promo stuff. Um, and I'll, I usually put some music together, but if you do have a musician friend that would want to donate a song to the episode, Okay. Feel free to pass it along. Um, yeah, I, I've got a couple people. Um, I honestly, they are sometimes the artists that don't work on a time schedule. <laughs> They're on their own schedule. I so know those people. I, I, I'm not going to. Uh, <laughs> no problem. I'm not even going to volunteer that because, yeah, it, it won't happen in time. <laughs> okay. I appreciate the offer, but it won't happen in time. Cool. So, Throw some Bob Marley in uh, there for me. Uh, uh, I'll, like I have to write it, write some music because we can't ever use other people's music because of you know the copyright yeah, I thought, violations. Yeah, I, and again, well, I, I want to talk to you when we're done recording, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we can say we're done yeah, now. Just, we'll just cut this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're done. Um, Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but you know, I, I've read and I've been looking into this that if it's like the radio, like the radio has airplay they can and do whatnot as long as you're not using the same clip over and over again that you can use clips of music as long as you give them credit i i don't know the copyright laws but i mean like there's some podcasts that i listen to that it's a different song literally every time oh i, and, I do that but i write it i write ah, music i literally beautiful. have I, i'd love that better anyway yeah, but i yeah i mean i i just i mean I, I don't play any instruments, but I have music in my head and I have the yeah. ability to go on GarageBand and I just write stuff. Yeah, I love GarageBand. I do too. Uh, it's the greatest thing for me. Like if we would have had GarageBand when we were a band back in the day, we yeah. would have had like 10 albums because I would go there down go. and I would go down and practice and I'd go, I have a riff in my head, do, 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 in there to look at this, get the fuck out of this room. Cause <laughs> you know, the, and they just like finish a song and then I'd give it to me and I'd write the lyrics and the melody line. But yeah, in terms of write, I, I'll have to send you one of my songs. I'll text yeah. you. Yeah. I well, perfect. I, then, then I'd way much rather prefer okay. Okay. write me a little intro, <laughs> write me a little or, or whatever. Just throw some, Done. throw some reggae. I'll find some steel drums. Just, I'll find some yeah. steel drums and put it in there. Just but, my favorite thing is just the little strum guitar. One other thing ding, dude, that we're working ding. on and we might find a little bit, um, out more tomorrow is 
Chris, who you've met, he's the one that yep. has the daughter that's a really good soccer player. Sure. Um, and then Mike, they both live out in Fort Collins, which if things really okay. start progressing, I'll probably be moving out to Colorado within the next year. But we're looking at starting to work at this ah. in Windsor, Colorado. They're opening up this multi facility. I think there's going to be a triple A baseball team, but multiple fields kind of youth I don't, you know, Wonderland hotels and blah, yeah. blah, blah. But we're going to try to set up a, an art kind of working. It's, uh, uh, what are we calling it? I can't even remember now. Shit. Like an art, not an art camp, whatever, but we're going to try to do something there, but it's again, like something to like, to bring you in virtually to like, talk about different shit to like kids between soccer games or something. Yeah. And it's like all these things that were like, putting together um it's, it's let me really know exciting. i'm all about it i'm yeah. i'm all about exploring any and every opportunity just again for me getting a platform out there getting yeah. out there helping helping the world yeah. i'm all about it well and like i said dude like ever you want me to um jump on a on a zoom with your college things i can tell them about what i basically do with, i've started yeah. basically a program at virginia commonwealth called art and athletics which kind of mirrors um the business um, yeah curriculum and stuff but I, I would be happy to do it so yeah I'm, I'm definitely gonna hold you to that because i have quite a few players i mean one of my former players she she quit because of injury too many knee surgeries but yeah. um she actually got into our art graphic design program Oops. that they admit but the the specialized program here at houston they admit 10 kids every year yep and man she was talented she started her own side business called sidekicks her name was sydney and um she basically painted on like nike air force ones on the sides yep. and sold them so she like i mean she's unbelievable artist yep. and so yeah there's i mean there's people like that but then i have like i got a couple old souls on my on my team that because of their dad listening to music they know classic rock and i'm like oh yeah i like that playlist play some of that and, yep, that's awesome. yeah so but we've got every team has them sometimes they just don't know so i i absolutely want to bring you in cool cool done 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 all right brother well awesome um, man let let me know um when are you planning on releasing the podcast is it um, I'm, I'm actually just starting to record okay. um, this, this I mean, weekend I'll promote next. It, I'll promote it in the intro and outro and stuff. Um, oh, I appreciate and, it. And yeah. I mean, I don't even have, uh, we're finalizing the name. I think we finalized it last night, okay. me and my team, but um, well, let me know, like, you know, I'll, I'll ping you before, like, again, I'm heading out West, like actually yeah. a week from today to go check out our land and go do some stuff out awesome. there, but I'll be back. So I probably won't release this for a couple of weeks at least. Sweet. Well, it's going to be, I mean, just think about this. It's going to be Boca, you yep. know, cause my last name is Boca Negra and the yep. a big open mouth, um, <laughs> you know, cause nice. in Spanish Boca means mouth. Yep. Um, and since I'm always running my mouth, it's just going to be <laughs> Boca with Diego Boca Negra. Yep. So cool. All right, dude. Well, thank thanks, you, man. man. This was an absolute blast. And like I said, I'm super pumped about collaborating in the future. Yeah, awesome. Put Have a good one. Man. You too. Deliver us. Total blast having Diego on the podcast today. Loved hearing all of his stories and really look forward to talking with him more in the future. Remember to follow him on Instagram and on Twitter at Diego13Boca and also check out his website DiegoBocaNegra.com where you can find his new upcoming podcast called Boca 
with Diego Bocanegra. A reminder to also check out the other podcasts we have on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandrich podcast. Thank you for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and our social media outlets for future events, pop-up exhibits, podcasts, and other information, including daily creative training journals and subscription boxes. Thank you, as always, for listening. We will see you next week. And as always, do not forget to exercise the body and do not forget to exercise the mind. Stay well out there.